<clears throat> this is from Judges uh, 6, 11 through 17, and then 22 through 24. The call of Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash and the Abizarite. As his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Mennonites, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Gideon answered him, But sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has cast us off and given us into the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. He responded, But sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Munasa, and I am the least in my family. The Lord said to him, but, but I will be with you, and you shall strike down the Mennonites, every one of them. Then he said to him, if, if now I have found favor with you, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with him. Then Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Help me, Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace to be you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day it stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizarites. We are beginning a series called Braving the Shadows. And I thought I'd start by talking about why I used that image uh, for this series. We're going to talk a little bit about fear and our courage uh, to face those fears with God. And I was thinking about what imagery to, to convey for that. And I was thinking about shadows because shadows somewhat haunt us. They're a little bit scary, uh, but they're not quite real. They're just shadows of something else. And depending on the time of the day, those shadows might get really long but the shadows are not the thing itself that causes the pain or the fear. It's, it's something that you can't really touch. And so the shadows of our lives are our fears, and we tend to live scared of, our, of those shadows. And I think that something about shadows also conveys that it's something in our lives that God's light is not yet shining, that we don't see it. Um, so we, we've blocked it off, we're, maybe we're in the way of that light, but the shadows are those places where we don't see God's light at work, and so we're afraid. And so we have an opportunity, I, I don't want to talk about fear for this series to scare us, but to give us courage to brave uh, walking in faith with God through the shadows, through our fears, uh, not to avoid them, but to walk through them. And so in this series, we're going to talk about a lot of different kinds of fears. We're going to talk about fear of pain or or losing control, or isolation, or all sorts of precise kinds of fears. But today I just wanted to start us off by talking about fear in general, and using uh, the story of Gideon as kind of a model for us about how to face our fears. Before we get to that, I want to give a little bit of introduction to our text. We're reading from Judges 6. Now, I think it's helpful to have a sense of the genre, because um, there's only little hints that we get in this text, but it's a violent book. 
There's a lot of violence in the book of Judges, and it might help to situate that and understand what we're dealing with. And I was thinking about how to compare Judges, and I was thinking about, you can't help but see on our box office numbers of movies that are out today, comic book superheroes are all over the place, and there's actually a little bit of overlap in what you could see in the genres. As an example, Black Panther came out a few years ago. Uh, it's a Marvel comic book movie, but it's told from, um, the, the director is an African-American male, and he's telling a story of his own point of view, and there's characters that are trying to deal with oppression and race, and the villain wants to enable those who are oppressed to flip things over and be the ones who oppress again. Uh, turn the system over and cause violence to those who were oppressing you. Whereas the hero initially thinks we should just stay out of it. Don't get involved. And there's a lot of internal uh, ideological challenges in this movie. But it's a superhero movie. Which means, guess what happens in the third act? There's a fight scene. Guess what happens in the second act? There's a fight scene and in the first act, a fight scene because it's that kind of movie. And the book of Judges is from a time and from a type of literature that violence is kind of accepted and understood. Of course, that's happening. Um, but it's these tribal clans like, that are at war with each other. And it's not just that I'm at war with my enemy, but my God is at war with the God of my enemy. And so they have a lot of spiritual focus into these conflicts and violence. Uh, and Judges, maybe more than any book of the Bible, really has a script to it. It keeps repeating the exact same cycle. Here's how it happens. Israel's at peace, right with God. Things are good. Israel forgets God. God lets them fall into oppression of other neighboring nations. They cry out, why are we being oppressed? God hears their cries, raises up a warrior leader, who will help rally the troops and in strange ways win weird kinds of battles because it's not just about normal might and power, something different's going on, but they overthrow their oppressors and they have peace again and they're going to forget it and the cycle's going to start over. And so we're in the midst of that story and Israel has forgotten God and so now they are living at the hands of the Midianites, a neighboring nation, and they're living in fear of those people and so that's when we get the story of the call of Gideon. And just as an example of this different world we live in, part of why they're so afraid of the Midianites is they have a really new war technology. They've got camels. And it sounds kind of funny to our mindset, but if, imagine in a wilderness setting, camels giving you the ability to get faster from point A to B. You can carry more spoils of war back home with you, longer distances. Um, and so they're living in terror of the Midianites, and that's when we get this, the call of Gideon. And no, Gideon's not the one who put the Bible in your hotel room. That's not that same Gideon. They're using their name based off of him. Um, but Gideon is one of the judges, and that's a weird term for us. But think of it as one of those leaders, those warrior leaders who brings God's judgment into the world, one of the judges. And so Gideon is being called to face the fears of the Hebrew people and to face his own fears. 
So I've got five ways to face your fear that I'm suggesting from Gideon's story. Number one, how do we face our fears? Share your fears with someone, hopefully someone trustworthy. But Gideon is not afraid to share the fact that he's afraid. Uh, And you might have missed it in the beginning of our story, but Gideon is in a lot of fear. He's harvesting just a little bit of food for himself, just a little bit. But normally when you would harvest this grain, you'd be up in a high place so that the wind could come through and air out uh, what you didn't need. And instead, he's, he's in like kind of a sunken cave, so to speak, of this wine press. He's down hidden in the ground so that the Midianites, when they're looking around, oh, he's harvesting some stuff. Let's go get it. He's hiding from them, trying to get out a little bit of food. And so he's hiding, uh, and then this person shows up and has a greeting. Hey, the Lord is with you. And he's not in the right mood for that conversation. I think about, um, there's someone I know who, when he walks in our space, if you say, hey, how's it going? And he says, it remains to be seen. (laughs) And you say, hey, have a good night. It remains to be seen. But Gideon's kind of in that place. Hey, the Lord is with you. Really? The Lord's with us? Wait, who are we talking about? Because we're living under the oppression of the Midianites. It doesn't seem like the Lord is with us right now. Like you want to talk about God's presence, where is it? We're living in fear, and where is God? And I appreciate that he's at least just being real. And he's just sharing his fears. He's sharing his frustrations, and he's talking about it. He's not hiding from it. It's just out there. And I think at least when we show up to have those conversations, even if it feels like we're, we're sour to the conversation, at least you're having it. And he's talking with somebody, and he doesn't realize yet that he's talking to God. And so in a way, he's actually praying his frustrations about God to God. And that's not going to be too much for God to handle in the story. God's perfectly fine that Gideon is frustrated and is confused and feels like God's not there. And so Gideon is voicing his fears about his enemies and his relationship with God. And we need to do that too. Of when we're afraid, do we talk about it or do we hide it? Do you actually share with somebody? Say, hey, you know, I'm really afraid about this. Because fear has its strongest power when you don't talk about it, when it's the boogeyman. But when you share about it, something changes. And I think the safe place, a little bit like Gideon here, is at least being able to go to God and pray about it and be honest with God, hey, I'm afraid. And so I'm going to take us to our second point. Yeah, you got to share that you're afraid with someone. But in that process, you might do something. You might identify some false assumptions. So identify your false assumptions. When we're afraid, our brain has a great imagination. There's no limit to the amounts of terrible imaginations that our brain can come up with of, wait, why did that person say that? They must hate me. You know, it it jumps quick. And so we have to be able to be willing to look at the things that we believe about ourselves or believe about others and question them. And I love that when that messenger comes to Gideon and he says, hey, the Lord is with you. He then goes on, you mighty warrior. And he's talking to a guy hiding. You mighty warrior. 
And Gideon's like, who are you calling mighty? What are you talking about? I'm from the weakest clan. We're the weakest tribe. We're the weakest tribe of people who are too weak to do anything about Midian. And even within that, in my family, I'm the weakest one of the family. I'm not the mighty warrior you think I am. I'm just too powerless. I'm too weak. I can't do anything. And we talked earlier about, is the Lord with us? It's like, yeah, I've heard all those stories that God is powerful, that God can overthrow our oppressors, and he did that in Egypt. But where is that God? I, I don't see God's presence anywhere. And I love, again, that Gideon talks honestly. How many people, when they talk, if someone were to say, you're so powerful, you're like, aren't I great? I'm not powerful. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not that mighty warrior. And I appreciate that if we were to ask, is Gideon actually weak? He thinks so. And what we're going to learn in his story as it goes on is it's not true. And it's not true to God and to God's messenger. But he's living under that story of himself. I'm too weak. I can't do anything. And so... uh, Maybe we have some false stories in our minds. Maybe our fears have led us to some false narratives about who we are, about who people in our lives are. And I think we should be called to be the best like, investigator, like the best journalist investigator questioning those, those statements we say about ourselves and say, oh, I'm just terrible with people. You're like, well, are you? You know, I, I'm, just, I'm just not, you know, I, I'm not, patient at all. It's like, well, maybe there's some spots where you have some patience. Like, maybe that's not fully true. Maybe that's not just an easy excuse to just always be impatient. But what are those things we say about ourselves that we need to investigate a little bit more? The third point, what are five ways to face our fears? We talked about sharing our fears with someone trustworthy, identifying your false assumptions, and number three, Find your divine function. Find something to do, preferably, that you see that it's God's purpose and God's function for you. Um, But when we get afraid and when we get scared, we tend to hoard things for ourselves. We tend to retreat. We we, We tend to think there's a scarcity of things, and so i got to take my stuff and hide. And if you need to see that at work, just see any grocery store during a natural disaster and all the bread and all the milk and everything's gone. People are storing everything away. But when you're afraid, you you store everything up for yourself. Very rarely do you see someone going and getting all those products and going to look for people and say, hey, hey, do you have any bread? Hey, I got some bread. You got any milk? Hey, here's some milk. We, We hoard for ourselves when we're afraid instead of giving to others. And, um, that's where, where fear takes us. So if I think, you know, I'm, if I'm afraid and I think there's only so much amount of power that exists, well, I gotta fight to get what's left. If there's only a certain amount of money, I gotta fight to get all the money. If there's only a certain amount of respect or honor, well, let me put down other people to put them down so I can have whatever's left of the respect and honor. But God calls us to the salvific work for all people, not just for ourselves. We are called on this mission uh, to bring about God's kingdom for everyone and not just me. And so I love that when Gideon is complaining about all of these things, God, it says the Lord responds, and just as a pause, 
this passage keeps fluctuating between saying it's an angel of the Lord talking and the Lord is talking, and it's blurring those categories. But the Lord turns to him in this story and says, go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the land of Midian. I hereby commission you. He said, I'm weak, I'm nothing. In your strength, I'm sending you out. Go do something about that thing you're complaining about. Go be a part of it. And you've probably heard me share about how I felt so strange about my own call to ministry of um, growing up in a church that was pretty toxic and wasn't very healthy and I never felt like I fit in. And he'd be looking around at things and say, why is this happening? Should it be this way? It shouldn't be this way, right? And God's sense of humor of like, yeah, go be a part of it. Go fix, go be a part of uh, what I'm doing here. Instead of just complaining about it, get to work, go do something about it. And so Gideon is complaining, God's presence isn't here. The Midians are ruling over us. Where are you, God? God says, I'm right here with you. Let's go to work. I commission you. It'd be easier to commission someone else, right? Why do I have to do it? I commission you, Gideon. And so when we're feeling afraid, we've got to figure out what God is calling us to do, to get to work together. Um, because when we start working for, for God's purposes, we realize that the world is a little bit different than our fearful mind was imagining. Uh, we start seeing through a different lens as we get to work with God. Fourth point, trust that facing God brings life. It takes Gideon a while in our story to realize he's talking to God. And actually, we kind of, for sake of time, cut out a few spots including he does three tests of God. Wait, is it really God I'm talking to? But at some point he realizes it's the Lord, and you'd think that'd be, oh, great. And instead he's like, I'm going to die. The Lord is here. And there's plenty of biblical tradition on that point of if I'm in the presence of God, God's too holy, and my unholiness is just, it's going to wither. I'm going to, I'm going to die in the face of God. And there's stories where that, um, instead of just death, where there's transformation. So like when Moses is in the presence of God and his face starts shining and he has to cover his face. And when Isaiah sees um, the imagery in God's courtroom and, and he, needs a, uh, he needs something to touch his mouth to cleanse it. Um, but they're all ways of saying, I shouldn't be here. I don't know what to do with this. Um, but instead of death, God brings about transformation, healing, life, goodness, where we expect to die and to be judged violently. And in our text, when Gideon realizes this and calls out for help, he, uh, the Lord says to him, peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. And so often in the Bible we get that language of the do not fear, and yet God has to keep saying it. And every time we are encountered with God's presence, we realize, oh no, I've done some things wrong. And yet God turns to you and says, peace be with you. Don't fear, you will not die. God wants life. God wants to transform us. God wants to transform our fears. God wants to build us up. But yet we're tempted when we're afraid to also be afraid of God so much not to show up to God. And to act like Gideon and say, God's not here. Look at the situation. God's not here. 
while he's talking to God. And we do the same thing. When we are fearful, we say God's nowhere around. And at some point, your eyes open up and you realize, actually, God's right here the whole time. And when you're afraid and you feel like, I haven't been good enough to go to God, do you have the trust to actually uh, believe that God wants to bring life out of you? God wants to uh, give peace to you. And so, instead of running from God, can we go to God in prayer? Each of you is here in part as a decision today about I'm going to show up to God. Sometimes we forget that in the midst of our everyday life that, yeah, I'm here because I'm showing up because I want to experience God. But can we accept God's statement that he has to keep saying over and over and over again, do not fear. And lastly, when you've had that kind of experience, when your fears start being transformed, like Gideon, can we create new reminders of God's faithfulness? Because if you remember early on, he knows that God has been powerful. They're just not his stories. It's like my ancestors told all these stories about how great God was and how powerful God was, but he doesn't know them for himself. And he's struggling with, I haven't seen it. And so in the midst of this conversation, in the midst of this experience, he realizes God's presence and God's uh, love and peace, and he doesn't want to forget it. And so he goes and he makes an altar as a reminder. And I wonder how many of us, we, we think about God and we think about stories other people have shared or Bible stories, but what are the stories of how God has been at work in your life? Your own places to build an altar and to thank God and to be reminded and not to want to forget that moment. And so I love that Judges 6.24 ends with this. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. Then it says, to this day, it still stands at Ophrah. The fancy term for this is it's an ideological statement. It's an origin statement. The author is like broken into your story world and said, hey, you know that altar? If you go down the highway there and you go at this turn, remember that altar it still stands. So he's like broken the story world and talks to the audience themselves and say, hey, to this day, you can go find this altar. And how important it is for people to have those things to remind themselves of God's presence and God's peace and God's faithfulness, even when we're afraid. And so I wonder, what kinds of altars do you make in your world to remind yourself, to be thankful, um, to take courage when you're afraid? For some people, that's journaling, that they like to journal their fears or their thoughts or their day. Some people do that journaling on Facebook. Wherever you write out what's going on in your life, do you look back at those memories and say, God was faithful there? For some people, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a, there's a painting that you love or a photo you've taken, some sort of image, and that memory there reminds you of God's faithfulness. For some people, uh, it's what they, like their whole selves. Like some people, you had such a strong experience, you're like, I don't want to forget it. I'm putting it on my body. Sometimes it's a temporary putting it on in your body and it's your clothes. And it's a reminder of how God has worked in your life and how God continues to. I think about the Jewish tradition of the kippah, the hat, where it's the reminder that you have a limit 
this hat reminds you you're only so tall and God is greater and bigger than you? And what are those things in your life that remind you that God is, is, is great and faithful and wants peace for you? I want to give you one image here before we, we remind ourselves about how to face fears. I started talking about genres, superheroes, book of judges. Well, in the midst of fear, we should probably mention that the horror genre of books and movies also has a pattern to it, and structure and tropes, story plot points you can expect. And if you want a plot point you can always expect in a horror story, it's that someone is going to make a really stupid decision. The killer is coming. I'm running upstairs. What good is that going to do? And I love, Geico does great ads. Geico has a commercial out lately that, that was playing on these horror tropes. And these people are running out of this like cornfield and they're running from someone. And they look and they see a house and they're like, oh, let's go hide in the attic. Another person, let's go hide in the basement. And the other girl's like, why can't we just take the car that's running? <laughs> and another person goes, why don't we go hide behind those chainsaws? And they're like, smart, let's do that one. And so the like, camera pans as they're hiding behind these chainsaws and the killer's just like shaking his head. <laughs> Insert voiceover from Geico. During a horror movie, you make poor decisions. It's what you do. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. When we're afraid, we make stupid decisions. It's what we do. We lash out at people, we hide from people, we take stuff for ourselves. We don't live out our calling the way that God has invited us to live because that's what we are doing when we're afraid. But can we make the decision to have some spiritual practices, to train ourselves to trust God, to be thoughtful about what we're afraid of and to be able to name it and to invite God to give us courage to walk through it so that when when that fear comes, you have a faith response because that's what you do. And so I want to remind us as we go out from here that five ways to face your fear. Share your fears with someone trustworthy. Identify your false assumptions. Find your divine function. Trust that facing God brings life and peace. And let's create new reminders of God's faithfulness. So in the coming weeks, we're going to explore different types of fears that we've got. And we're going to invite God to tell us not to be afraid, to give us courage as we walk, not just think differently, but actually live differently because it's what we do. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, you know the shadows that each of us are afraid of. We all bring different fears with us into the space. And Lord, I just ask for your spirit of courage, your spirit of, of peace to reign in our lives, especially in this season. Lord, I pray that you would give bravery to each of us that are here to trust you even more than we are. Lord, I ask that you would help us to, rem to remind us of all the times that you've already been faithful to give us renewed strength, renewed energy, so that when we, when we worship you, when we, when we go to you in song, when we 
talk with you in prayer, Lord, that you would just bring that spirit of faith and bravery and excitement and joy in you um, to bubble out of us even when we're afraid. Lord, it's in your name that I pray. Amen.